It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Falsely accused of child sex abuse, wrongly imprisoned, and spent more than 400 days behind bars. One of the highest-ranking clergymen in the Roman Catholic Church is speaking out about his ordeal. George Cardinal Pell was accused of molesting two choir boys while he was the Archbishop of Melbourne, Australia, in 1996. A jury convicted him and sentenced him to six years in prison. But Australia's highest court acquitted him by a unanimous vote. And while in prison, though, he wrote journals describing his struggles and the injustices against him. The third volume, now released, is aptly called Prison Journal, Volume 3, The High Court Frees an Innocent Man. And His Eminence Cardinal George Pell joins me now. Welcome, Your Eminence. Good. Thank you, Lauren. I'm very happy to uh, uh, to come and uh, to uh, to talk to you as uh, a man who has been freed and who was judged uh, innocent by our highest Australian court. Well, I want to say congratulations, though, too, because um, the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, which I th- believe is in Steubenville, uh, gave you the uh, Good Shepherd Award, um, and this is a, a recognition of, they say, the edifying work and witness of an exemplary church leader acknowledging outstanding courage and Christ-like willingness to lay down one's life for one's sheep. How does that make you feel, um, Cardinal? Well, I was, uh, I'm was. i very, very grateful. Uh, I feel slightly uneasy about uh, uh, high praise, uh, but... Um, Thanks be to God, I think uh, I managed to, to do my duty, uh, to put one foot after the other, to uh, uh, put into practice the teachings of Christ and to have survived. So uh, uh, I, I'm grateful for the many good things I've received during a long life. Well, you know, um, it's not just the Good Shepherd Award. You've got some wonderful people um, who weighed in and commented at, on the award, but also on their relationships with you. And many of uh, some of them have been on this show back, by the way. Uh, George Weigel, uh, eminent uh, Catholic scholar. Uh, Father Joseph Fessio. Uh, so Rob Amari, he, he is a columnist with the uh, uh, New York Post. Um, the Archbishop of San Francisco, Salvatore Cordeleone. Um, and our own Archbishop, Cardinal Timothy Dolan here in New York called you a source of wisdom and encouragement. Um, he called it heroic suffering, unjust imprisonment. And he called you the, the sort of white martyr, not the martyrs that are shed blood, but white martyrs, the day in, day out suffering for the gospel. And also Father Robert Barron, um, who is uh, with the Archbishop, uh, Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Uh, so a lot of very, very prominent people are standing up for you right now. Um, but... <sighs> I want to know about the journals, in fact, because these are the things you wrote. You started while you were in prison. And why did you start writing these journals? Well, for a variety of reasons. Uh, it was no long-term project because I never thought I'd be convicted. Right. Uh, I, I've never met the complainant. 
uh, even um, back when he was in the choir. Uh, not one of the prosecution's witnesses supported uh, his claims. He changed his story 24 times. Um, and many independent lawyers said there's no way known you could be convicted on such evidence. Um, a jury, the second jury, after the first jury was unable to agree, uh, did uh, find me guilty. I, I think that was evidence of the um, uh, the way public opinion uh, had become disturbed and inflamed mm -hmm. by the, the Royal Commission stories of pedophilia in Catholic institutions and the the fact that the bishops hadn't always dealt with it uh, um, uh, correctly. So, so they went uh, after you. They went after you when they basically were basically using you as sort of the whipping boy for all that's wrong with the in this in the Catholic uh, sexual abuse I think crisis. I, I think that's right. And when I was, uh, my friends told me that at the court, when I was found guilty, uh, quite a number of people said, yes, it's very possible that he's not guilty, but it's appropriate, it's only right and just that the church takes a hit, that somebody from the church uh, uh, suffers. But anyhow, to get back to why I wrote the journal, uh, I... Well, uh, history might be interested to see how a, a, a cardinal uh, coped with jail in a Western democracy. Um, I also realized it might be useful to people who've got their own struggles to see how I coped with mine. And then there was a third uh, section. I've been very involved in public discussion. The many of the people who wrote to me sent me articles it was very intellectually stimulating on uh, Western society, the changes in society, uh, the role of the church. And I uh, used, uh, uh, I suppose, especially the second and third volumes uh, of my journals to talk about uh, many of these, uh, uh, many of these uh, problems. Did you? I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to go back because I've never interviewed you during your ordeal, um, and I always wanted to ask you, when you heard of the accusations, what was your reaction when you first got wind of these accusations? Oh, well, I was absolutely dismayed, absolutely dismayed. Uh, you get a very sinking feeling, and, uh, uh, you know, you realize you've got a long struggle ahead, and you're hoping against... Uh, hope that you would be able to establish your innocence as early as possible so the whole procedure would come to an end. Now, you said earlier that you had never met the accusers. Did you even know who they were? No, I didn't. Uh, well, eventually I did. Yeah. I did knew that uh, two youngsters from, uh, uh, I think they originally said 97, and they changed that back to 96, had accused me. Then I discovered their names. But uh, no, they, the names, they were in the choir when I was Archbishop of Melbourne. and uh, But I had nothing to do with the choir. Uh, I mean, I was there. They sang when I celebrated Mass. But I felt slightly guilty uh, because I'd never even, I think, given them a talk. Mm. Um, well, I had next to nothing to do with them. And uh, in an ideal world, uh, I should have given them uh, 
I would pop in uh, to the uh, rooms after a big mass when they'd sung well, and I would say to them, thanks for, thanks for doing that so well. But beyond that, I had no contact with them. Have you ever since met the accusers or talked to them at all? No, no, no. They've made no such approach. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that, you know, we are called to do is forgive those um, who've sinned against us. Have you been able to forgive them? Yes, I decided to forgive. Uh, it can, can be a bit of an effort. You've got to keep your uh, forgiveness polished up because you can be uh, overtaken by surges of resentment, which seems to come from uh, uh, nowhere. But Christians are called to forgive, and I, I take Christian teaching seriously, so uh, I decided to do that and uh, and by and large, you know, the, the feelings follow a such a decision. Um, you spent many months in solitary confinement. I mean, you actually spent, what, 13 months of a six-year sentence uh, until the um, high court um, reversed the, the, um, the results. Um, but you spent many months of those in solitary confinement. Why were you given such harsh treatment? I mean, that's one of the most harshest treatments you can give to someone in solitary confinement. It's not uh, for, for my own protection. Oh, really? Uh, pedophiles in jail are often attacked, and certainly pedophile priests uh, can often be the uh, subject of particular uh, hostility. A, a long-term prisoner who wrote to me said I was the only prisoner in his 30 years of experience, who that is a priest convicted of pedophilia, who had some defendants amongst the uh, prisoners. Normally, uh, such people are universally condemned. And he told me an interesting story about the long-term prisoners, the long-term crims, who'd been there for years and years and years, actually got together and discussed my situation. <coughs> and he said that they, their conclusion was that, I, in their words, I'd been stitched up. I'd been, uh, I was wrongfully uh, convicted. And uh, this fellow said, isn't it strange? Uh, the crims realize you're innocent, <laughs> but the two senior judges uh, of Victoria's Supreme Court, uh, that's uh, the, the province, the state of Victoria, uh, were unable to see that, it, and it is uh, it is very strange. Well, tell me, what was the hardest part about being imprisoned um, unjustly? I mean, you know that you're in prison, and you know that you've been convicted, but you know you didn't do it. What's the hardest part about being there? Uh, well, I suppose the shame of it all—that you're, uh, you know, as a prisoner at the bottom of the pile, you're publicly con uh, convicted. Um, so that's uh, the actual living conditions. Uh, they certainly weren't luxurious, uh, but they. Uh, uh, I had a, a shower, a toilet, uh, a firm base on my bed. I had enough food. And I even had a kettle and a um, television. Wow! So uh, wow. I, I wasn't living luxuriously, but. Uh, you know, things uh, could have been much, much worse. It wasn't as though I was in some uh, medieval jail or uh, communist jail or uh, old Asian jail. Uh, 
Uh, and the, the biggest surprise was that the warders uh, were um, um, basically decent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most difficult part for it seems as though the most difficult part is just, um, you know, the crying out you'd like to do, but you can't. And is that why the journals substituted for that part? Um, yes, uh, I d- discovered, I uh, became more aware that uh, an enormous amount of writing has been done in jail. You've got a lot uh, of time, I guess. You know. <laughs> you've got the time. And it's also therapeutic. I discovered that quite a few people, uh, quite a few prisoners would write and would write letters. Um, and I suppose uh, uh, putting your thoughts down on paper uh, helps you to process them, uh, to clarify them. Uh, and um, uh, certainly it, it gives a bit of purpose and direction to the day. Um, I want to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We're going to talk with um, um, Cardinal George Powell in just a moment. And I want to talk about also, it may not just have been sort of the media that was trying to um, shanghai you. Um, it could have been other forces at well working against you. We'll be right back with more. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. And we're back with Cardinal George Powell um, on Lighthouse Faith Podcast talking about his release from prison um, by a unanimous vote of the High Court of Australia, wrongly imprisoned. Um, and legally speaking, but, uh, you know, and wrongly accused of sexual abuse of um, children. Um, One of the things that people are also bringing up is that uh, you were actually in charge of cleaning up the Vatican's financial messes. Um, Pope Francis put you in charge of that. And uh, a lot of folks, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are a few folks within the Vatican that objected or pushed back against that. Um, do you think the sexual abuse charges was part of part of maybe a smear, even a smear campaign? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have proof of a direct uh, connection. Um, and that needs to be stated quite explicitly. What we do know uh, is that... Uh, 2,300,000 was sent from the Vatican Secretariat of State uh, to Australia. Monsignor Palaska, who was uh, involved in the case, he's the leading uh, witness for the prosecution. He says the money uh, was sent to the Bishop's Conference uh, for my legal expenses. Mm-hmm. Well, we have evidence from the Bishop's Conference that the money never arrived. Uh, and certainly we never received uh, any such uh, sum for my uh, legal defences. Now, Cardinal Betchew uh, confirmed that the money had been sent, but he says uh, it's none of my business why it was sent. So Mm. the unanswered Mm. question, and I think it's in everybody's interest that it is clarified, because it might be an innocent uh, purpose, is to just, uh, is to find out why the money was sent? Do we know and, where the uh, Do we know where the money is right now? I mean, is there any, any indication where the money might be? Uh, no, we we do know that it went to. This is public knowledge. We went. Uh, it went to a group in Australia called New Star, 
and then it might have gone on here or there. Who, who, who knows? No, we don't know. And so uh, um, I think it would it would um, clarify the situation if we could know just uh, why that was sent. And um, if it was innocent, then we um, get on with the rest of our lives. You know, one of the things that um, I thought about this morning in preparing to talk to you, I, fo- I thought of Ephesians six twelve, which is, says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you, do you kind of go to that realm in terms of talking about what really is at work here, and a, a, a spiritual force of evil that was working against you? Well, that's a big call. But uh, to some extent, that just very well uh, might be the case. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, um, a, a religious uh, believer, but not uh, in any sense a mystic uh, or emotional, she, uh, she said that she, in the court she sensed the, spirit, the presence of the spirit of evil. Um, I didn't at that uh, particular time, uh, but um, uh, to what extent it was explicitly present in my situation, I don't know. Um, I do think there is a dimension of that in the financial troubles in the Vatican. Uh, it's uh, uh, We believe in the evil one. We sometimes call him the devil uh, or that spirit, the devil, but... That can be misleading because we think of a little uh, imp with uh, a tail and a trident, pitchfork, yeah, right. <laughs> which is quite misleading. Right, exactly. You know, the spirit of evil is uh, what runs uh, drug rings, what causes great wars, what uh, provokes uh, the bitter uh, hatred. And um, I believe that uh, uh, the papacy exists because that's Christ's will, it's God's will. So I'm not surprised that the evil one would want uh, to be uh, active. Well, wherever good is being done. And um, so in a certain sense, uh, everyone's life, we're all involved in the struggle between good and evil. It goes on in our hearts. And each one of us has got to decide uh, you know, that we, we, we stand on the side of truth and justice and light and love. Uh, so, yes, the, 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 the battle between good and evil is somehow involved in my whole show. Yeah, and, you know, just like in First Samuel, it just talks about how the, the, the battle is the Lord's. Uh, do you feel, did you feel on the other side, you know, God working for you? Oh, yes, well, I never doubted that God's providence was at work. Uh, but uh, for a lot of the time, I wasn't quite sure what he was up to or uh, where it was going. But uh, I certainly realized uh, that uh, uh, that all will be well in the next life, that justice and love will prevail. And that, that's a consolation, deep consolation. Did this... uh, for, some, for, for somebody who believes that the whole of the universe and history is the product of blind chance. Well, there's no afterlife, and certainly there's no ultimate justice. Or often, there's no justice in this life. 
Was your faith, well, let me put it this way, how much was your faith tested during these this last decade? Um, well, that's different from asking my, whether my faith was tested in jail. Uh, well, let's let's go there. Let's I, like let's let's go there into jail. How how was your faith tested while well, you were well, in jail? Su- well, surprisingly little. Um, I wondered what was uh, going on, as I said, but uh, the jail authorities allowed me to have my breviary from the first night. Um, I I prayed uh, uh, every day. I had a regular cycle of. Uh, uh, prayers. I recited the rosary uh, every day. So thanks be to God, my faith wasn't radically tested while I was in jail. That was one uh, one trial I avoided. Were you able to receive the Eucharist in, while in jail? Uh, once a week. I wasn't able to celebrate Mass because no alcohol is allowed. But the uh, senior chaplain was a wonderful nun about my age. She'd been chaplain for 25 years. Uh, she was highly respected, does a uh, great work. She brought me communion once a week. Oh, very nice, very nice. So what is what is in store for you now um, as you move forward? Well, I'm 80 years of age. I'm retired. I've got to prepare for, please God, for eternity. Uh, I'm interested in what's happening in Western society, what's happening in the church. I write a bit. I give a few talks. Um, So uh, I continue quietly with uh, uh, my life, uh, uh, which is um, I spend most of my time uh, or half my time in Rome and half in Australia. So while my health lasts, uh, it's all pretty pleasant. Um, You talked about writing about what's happening in the church. What is concerning you most about what's happening in the church? I suppose the decline of faith, um, in the, in, not in every part of the Western world, in many parts. Um, it's difficult to hand on the faith. The, um, the voices uh, of the world are very, very, uh, very, very powerful. Um, very destructive, too. I think that's one of the important things people like myself and especially younger Christian intellectuals and priests need to say. You know, the alternative to uh, Christianity is chaos. And the anti-religious secularists uh, are wreckers. They're damaging lives. They're not liberating people into... uh, an alternative form of happiness, community well-being. But, um, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, uh, serial infidelity, marriage breakup, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) the habit of... uh, uh, One spectacular piece of evidence which I've discovered in the last uh, year or so is that... uh, Uh, Some figures from Japan, which show that as a result of pornography, about uh, 25, uh, I think it was 25% of the women and 18% of the men between 18 and 24 were no longer interested in uh, any 
physical sexual activity because they'd been so desensitized by uh, pornography. Something similar is happening uh, in our world, and that is, uh, well, it's emerging as a major social problem. Right, right. Well, Cardinal Pell, I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast, and I would encourage people to um, to get a hold of your journals. Actually, there are three volumes. The, the most recent is Prison Journal, Volume 3, The High Court Freeze, and Innocent Man. Um, and I have to ask you again, uh, what was it like when you found out that you were going to be free? I was absolutely delighted, and the traditional prayer of thanks in the church is called the Te, te Deum. Uh, they sang that in Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris at the end of the Second World War. So I recited it uh, quietly in English uh, in, in my cell in gratitude for my liberation. Wonderful. I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Um, a pleasure. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I'm Lauren Green, and this is Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Have a blessed day. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.